0: according to John chapter 20. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. When it was evening on that day the week and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, "Peace be with you." After this he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, "Peace be with you, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Last week, preaching from Acts chapter 1, Pastor Sarah took you to the Mount of the Ascension, from which 40 days after Easter, the risen Christ of Easter went home. When, to use the language of the creeds, he ascended into heaven to be seated again at the right hand of the Father, that seat on the Father, be it only he is worthy to sit in for it is the seat of the Christ of forever and ever. A few over the years have asked me to tell them if that biblical account of the ascension story is a story that is true in the sense that it is true literally. They weren't sure what to make of that. Literally, as in, well, you know, Jesus, well, floating up into heaven like a helium balloon. And the disciples staring up after him and staring up after him while he got smaller and smaller until, until finally in just a blink, oh darn, I lost him. Do you see him? You know, I tell people, as far as the literal of this story, understand it how you want to. But do remember that when we mirror humans on this tiny speck, of a planet in God's universe, or who knows, maybe even God's multiverse, try to speak of the ultimate truths of forever and ever. Our mere words, even if they are Bible words, don't have it in them to be up to the task. It's beyond us and beyond our words. But according to the Christian faith, the beyond-knowable Lord of forever and ever for a span of 33 years and nine months, literally became a literal someone who could be known. So that by the time he got done doing Good Friday and Easter, all might know that you might know that you and today and tomorrow and forever are in good hands for the hands that you and today and tomorrow and forever are in are his. And how might you know that? Well, it turns out he had a plan for that. A plan which right before ascending to the Father he shared with those who had known him literally. You will receive power, he said, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in all Jerusalem, in all Judea, in all Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In Jerusalem, they were to share their faith and to share the good news of God's love in Christ with their neighbors. In all Judea, they were to share the faith and the good news of God's love in Christ with their nation, all of it. In Samaria, they were to share the faith and the good news of God's love in Christ with people they didn't like, with people whom their people often judged in condescension for being in any number of ways unlike them. And finally, says Jesus, to the ends of the earth. It turns out, you see, that the Lord of forever wants the loving purposes and plans of the God of forever to be known everywhere, by everyone, ever. Which, of course, sounds like a beyond ridiculously tall set of marching orders, surely? Given, among other things, the fact that at this point, Acts 1, says that, including the 11 disciples, there were a total of 120 of them. Which is to say that at that point, to keep this in perspective, the entire Christian church on earth had about one-fifth of the membership of Gloria Day Lutheran Church right now, where, back when things were the way they were, and one day will be the way again, where, right now, Gloria Day 120, give or take, is an average attendance at one of our 1030 services. To a group that size, Jesus gave marching orders extending not just to the whole of Iowa City but to the whole world. Might be something to remember the next time something comes up for discussion at Gloria Day and you find yourself thinking, I don't know, seems like kind of a tall order for a church our size. You, Jesus said, to a church 20% our size will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth." Except notice Jesus didn't give them only marching orders. He also gave them a promise. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he said. So don't, he said, start marching until then. Wait, he told them. Wait in Jerusalem, he told them. Wait until you have been clothed with power from on high, he told them. Note to them, note to self, there actually are things Jesus does ask his followers to do which actually are bigger than them, are beyond them, are too tall in order for them to take on all on their own. It's just that note to them, note to self, part two. There is no such thing as Jesus asking or commanding anyone to do anything entirely on their own or by their own strength or resources or abilities. For when Jesus is the one who's doing you are doing, there is ever the promise of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit with you, giving you what you need to do, what is yours to do, which is to say, remember this, when Jesus does give you things that are yours to do, that word yours is always plural, as in you with the Holy Spirit. Which takes us to our text for today from Acts chapter 2, where ten more days have now passed. And so now it's the 50th day after Easter. It also, as it turns out, that particular year was the 50th day after the Feast of the Passover, which on every year was celebrated one of the other great Jewish holy days, that 50th day after Passover, that other Jewish holy day being the Feast of Shavuot or in English, the Feast of Weeks. So named because, well, with seven days in a week, seven weeks was thought of as a week's worth of weeks. In Greek, it was called the Day of Pentecost, Pentecost simply being a word that means 50th, because, of course, the day after seven weeks would be the 50th day. And so still today, we've hung on to that on our calendar, the Day of Pentecost is a day, a week's worth of weeks plus a day after Easter. Jews in the time of Acts 2 did not just live in Judea, the homeland of the Jews, but rather by this time they were scattered throughout not just the Middle East, but Africa and Southern Europe. By and large, the main reason they were scattered was the same reasons people scatter across borders to new lands today, that being because they were refugees, either from one century or another's wars, or from one century's or another's disasters. But no matter where Jews came to live, Jerusalem was ever the religious and political capital of the land that they knew their spiritual hearts were from. And every Jew cherished the dream of, even if it was just once in their life, being in Jerusalem for the celebration of the three great feasts, including the feast called Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, the day of Pentecost. And so, in in Acts 2, Luke writes, by the way, Luke didn't just write the Gospel of Luke, you understand. Luke did a two-volume effort. He also wrote the book of Acts. And so in Acts 2, Luke writes that since it was the day of Pentecost, there were in Jerusalem, to quote Luke, devout Jews from every nation under heaven, which of course certainly is not literally true. And Luke knew this, I'm sure. He's just taking some theologically poetic license here in his desire for us to know that the plans God in God's great love has are not, never have been, never have been plans for the greatness of only a single nation. God's plans, rather, are for God's great and saving love, to have God's loving and saving way with God's whole world. And it being Pentecost, the whole world, says Luke, was gathered in Jerusalem. Where gathered still two were those folks from the 1030 service, the 120 followers of Jesus, who had been told that their mission was for the whole world, but who at this time were also doing what they'd been told. They were waiting for the starter's gun to fire. And it was then, says Luke, that there came a sound, a mighty sound, like the rush of a mighty and violent wind. A Bible study in both Hebrew and Greek, the word wind is also the word for breath, which is also the word for spirit, in other words, there's a play on words going on here, as to the sound of a mighty wind came upon the disciples the mightiness of the Holy Spirit, seeming to them to look something like tongues, human tongues made of fire. And descending upon them. Another Bible study note over and over and again throughout stories throughout the Bible, fire was a visible sign that Almighty God was in the house. And so looking something like tongues of fire, it was the holy breath, the holy wind, the holy spirit of God Almighty that did in that moment and i don't know i kind of like to i kind of like to think maybe literally descend upon each of them and as each then can they each then catching their breath began to speak of god's saving love in christ and in the crowd gathered everyone soon realized that from one of, or the other of them they could hear They could understand what they were saying in the language of their own lands, in their own native tongues. And these people from all over the world then said to one another, what is this? And it's seemingly always been the case that whenever two or more are gathered, at least one of them is a cynic, one of them said they're obviously drunk, and others agreed. Which actually wasn't a ridiculous assumption because at this point they were all talking loudly and in many cases seemingly incoherently. At which point Peter stood and said, one of the great opening lines of a sermon ever People, nobody's drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning for crying out loud. And then Peter preached. Boldly he preached. And as he does so, it is just important for me not to remember that in Luke's telling, remember Luke, the writer of Luke and Acts, in Luke's telling, literally the last time he quoted Peter was the time 53 days earlier when Peter, before a few people in a small crowd, boldly and for fear, had three times denied that he even knew who Jesus was. But here now, boldly and fearlessly, Peter tells this huge crowd, there are thousands of them, Luke says, exactly who Jesus is. And how in the world does one explain the difference in Peter from one quote to literally? I do it with two words, Easter and Pentecost. Because, of course, when Easter moves all the way into a person's heart, fear moves out. Because, I mean, seriously, what's left to fear when you've learned that not even death from the arms of the kind of love that you're loved with and held in? And then, of course, too, when the Pentecost spirit breathes into a person's heart, that person moves out as in reaches out, as in speaks out, because it turns out that when the Holy Spirit is to be spiritual, doesn't mean sheltering in some spiritual closet where you are separating yourself from the world. It means doing what is yours to do in the Spirit to reach out with God's love for the world and in so doing, transforming the world in the direction of the kingdom of God to come. Which takes us to May 31, 2020. Today, this day of Pentecost, 50 days after this year's Easter. We're not in person, but together, never before, I think, than 120 of us are right now gathered in this one digital place. And the Holy Spirit being the Holy Spirit, and therefore not limited to a single place. with us. In fact, Luther in the Catechism says that the Holy Spirit is actually the one who did the gathering of us, and who now does abide and breathe among us, among us all, wherever we are. I invite you to take a deep breath. And as you do, as you breathe in, prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. And do it again. Do it again. You're doing it together. In this moment, we are all, all in our own places, and yet all together, to borrow Paul's imagery in our second lesson, we are all drinking Of one and the same Spirit. It is in that Spirit, Paul says, not in being the same as each other. It is not in being in the same location with each other. It It is in the Spirit, the one and Holy Spirit, Paul says, that our true oneness is found. Breathe again. Breathe together. Pray together. Come, Holy Spirit. come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit the very first thing the Spirit does Paul says and therefore the first evidence that the Spirit has come Paul says is faith or sometimes preceding that sometimes even just the desire of faith do you have any of that? Well, then guess what? I have news for you. The Holy Spirit is there within you. The second thing the Holy Spirit does, Jesus in our Gospel reading for today says, is make known the forgiveness of our sins and then move us to forgive the sins of others. Do you know that your sins are forgiven? Well, if so, there we go again. The total, the Holy Spirit has totally been at work within you. Faith and forgiveness. My gosh, when you woke up this morning, did you even realize how spiritual you are? Is there somebody you need to forgive? Huh. What do you know? There's the Spirit at work within you again. But I can't, you say. It's beyond me, you say. Forgiving is too big for me, you say. To which the Spirit says, Haven't you been listening? It's all too big for you. But none of it's too big for us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. The final thing that Spirit does in this life, Paul says, the thing that spiritual spiritual, Spirit actually never stops doing in this life, Paul says, is giving unique and various gifts to each and every single one of us and then calling and blessing and leading and empowering us each to use our unique gifts to be the church. Which Paul refers to as the body of Christ, which is Paul's way of saying that empowered and led by the Spirit, our hands become the hands of Jesus. Our words become the words of Jesus. Our prayers become the prayers of Jesus. And above all, above all, the greatest thing of all, according to Paul, our love becomes the love of Jesus. come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit do you realize how deeply you are loved? do you know anybody who could use some love and the one who could surely do the loving is you? oh, my goodness, there is the Spirit again at work, breathing within you. Amen.